this is uh, a big day for us. We have been talking about a, a campus expansion piece, and this is kind of that day when all of that com comes together. We've called it the uh, Impact Project, and we've been focused on different aspects of faith. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles could turn there. We'll get there in just a moment. But just in case you haven't been around, let me quickly bring you up to date. We as an elder team have been praying for some time, uh, actually a number of years, about uh, how do we continue to do what we believe God's called us to do, which is number one, minister to this community around us. We have in you know, you take five-mile radius of our church, you have 185,000 people, many of whom don't know the Lord. Uh, we, we know that the Lord has called us to raise up next generations of people to go and live on missions. One of the things that we've seen the last couple of years, especially in our children's and our youth, we've got capacity issues that we've already been hit. In fact, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, it, it really was to the point of we just didn't have any room at all. Uh, we know God's called us to plant churches. And one of the things that we've seen in our history is the greater peace that we have, the greater scope, the greater size, the more we're able to do. And then when you think about world evangelization, again, the same idea, the greater the foundation, the more we can do. And so we, we've been praying God brought us to this plan. It's kind of a three-phase building plan. Just real quickly, this is phase one. It adds parking, uh, which is not usually a problem at 8 o'clock in the morning. But if you come back, uh, especially between the 9.30 and 11 service, you will find yourself out on the back 40. Um, it it pushes out the building this way for a 9,000 square foot addition for children's space and youth, which is what's desperately needed. It also brings uh, the children's playground around to a much better location, much larger, and ultimately it gets us bigger bathrooms, right, which is also a big thing, all right? Phase two then is to uh, then move out to the side of the pavilion and to build another multi-purpose worship area that would just be just like this. It's just built for worship. But just like this is used like six out of every seven days, that's how that building would be used. It would be used a lot during the week and also uh, obviously on Sundays. It gives us a larger capacity but it's really built for the idea of worship with both the acoustics and the aesthetics and all of those types of things. And for me, the biggest piece of that is actually having a counseling room, which would really be awesome. Then phase three, we haven't talked a lot about this because it's the smallest of them. It's just we can't do it till the end. But it would be to come back here into this room, take some of this now that we're not using it for worship. Like where I'm standing and going back would actually become like a I, you know, uh, I want to say third grade Sunday school classroom, back behind that curtain there, which have been two locker rooms, uh, turn those into another uh, childhood class space. We'd probably live with it for a little bit just to make sure, but if we needed, we'd come out about 25% here and take some of the, this space over here for classrooms. The big thing is, is that this then would become more of the fellowship hall, which would also allow us to take our kitchen to expand it so now we can actually put three people in it at one time. Woo, right? 
and, uh, but be able to have this space for, for those kind of things. There'll still be a gym, fellowship hall, uh, children's big classroom on the weekends. So that's kind of all, all those phases. We looked at, of course, all of this costs money, right? And so we begin to put some financial goals out there that we were going to look at. The financial goal, we called it the abundant goal. It would be awesome if we get this done. This would be the next piece of it, which would be to take phase one, which is the $3 million goal. It's to bring in the infrastructure, to get the parking, to get the bathrooms done, to get the bump out done, and all of that. The second would take care of phase one and two. So it would be all of phase one and then the new multi-purpose worship center, and that's an $8 million goal. And then the God dream goals, right, which is... Uh, kind of where I, I like to live is, man, if we can get all that done and then be able to take care of the existing debt that's left, that's a $12 million in totality. That's, that's it, the accumulation of all that. Uh, then, man, everything that we have can go into those priorities that God's given us of reaching our community, planting churches, raising up next generation, and investment in the world evangelization. And so, but here's the thing. We have not wanted this to be just simply about bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar are important. I told you they become great tools uh, to be able to use. Uh, but, you know, ultimately what all of this needs to be about is God working in our heart, growing us as disciples. And so we've been talking a lot about faith. And... Uh, we, we've been talking about the importance of faith in our life. And today, I want to come to this passage. You know, Tammy and I were talking about it. I don't think in the 26 years that I've been here, I've ever preached on this passage. I, I couldn't remember it. Tammy couldn't remember it. Figuring God maybe just saved it for this weekend, right? It's a great, great story. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, you're Matthew 14, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. In fact, to give context, let's read verse 21. There were about 5,000 men uh, who ate besides the women and children. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples to get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray and when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch, by the way, it's between about three and six in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea. Now when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. The journey of faith. 
One of the things that we've looked at and I want to continue to remind us of is that Hebrews tells us that without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. You see, God wants to be God in our life. He wants to be trusted. That's why salvation has always been by faith. It's never been a works. On the one hand, it's because none of us could be good enough. But secondly, if we could be good enough, who would we be trusting in? God or us? Be trusting in us. And God wants to be God. He wants us to put our faith, our trust, our confidence in him. He wants us to lean into him. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so... So that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to do what we could not do. He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. He conquered death. And now all of it he asks is that we would believe in him. John said, but as many as received him. Paul put it like this. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Those all have to do with faith. Not our works. Not our cleaning up our life. And if you're trying to, you know, find Jesus by, you know, straightening up your life, maybe starting to come to church, all that, you're, you're never going to find him that way. Because he only takes us one way, and that is just as we are. Sinners, but with faith to believe that he came and died for us. That's where salvation is found. Now, once we accept him, once he, he comes into our life and changes us, the Bible tells us we've been born into his family. And the reality is, is that what now is he's wanting to do is to build that faith muscle that is in our heart, that faith muscle that's in our soul. You know, just like a little baby, when they're born, they come out a little floppy, right? But as they grow, they, they, they stretch and they move and then they start pushing up and they build in their muscles. We got little baby May in our, in, in our family now. She's about nine months old, right? And she's just getting to the point where she's starting to try to pull herself up, you know, and the little legs are all wobbly, you know, and, but she's just, just getting there. She's... It's not going to be long, right? And she's going to be standing up. And then it's not going to be long until she's moving, right? And then let the games begin. And that's how it works, right? That's, but, but the muscles have to be built up. And that's what God does with us. And what's interesting is when you get to Matthew 14 and, and this point of huge faith, and you take a look back at Matthew from this faith-building exercise, has really been quite a story. So the first seeds of faith began way back in Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist, who some of the disciples were, were following, looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was number one. Are we going to follow that? Are we going to trust John? You get into Matthew chapter 4. Now they're following Jesus. He's healing the sick. You skip ahead to uh, Matthew chapter 8, and you have Jesus out on the Sea of Galilee that Peter and Andrew and James and John knew so, so well in the midst of a storm, and he calms the storm. You get to Matthew 9, and the little girl had died, the, the synagogue leader there in Capernaum, and Jesus raises her to life. In chapter 10 now, Jesus actually sends the 12 out to go out and not only preach the gospel, but for them themselves to do miracles. 
And now you get to chapter 14 and one of the greatest miracles. I mean, it's the only one that is in every gospel. He feeds 5,000 men plus women and children with five little loaves of bread and two small fish. And now he sends them out into the midst of this storm. And what I'm going to suggest to you is that God takes us on journeys in our spiritual life to continue to grow, to stretch, to build that faith muscle. I've been telling you the stories of Desert Springs, at least the 26 years that I've been here. Those journeys that God has brought us through from 1995, our first year, and that first little miracle offering, like $10,000. Quite honestly, man, you look at the God dreams today, that's what that was then. And, and yet God brought it in. And we told the story of 97 where we were, you know, going into the last 36 hours of the year. We were $10,000 in the red and about ready to close the church down. And God in those last 36 hours brought in that $10,000. We finished with $34 in the bank. And I've told you about 2003 as we begin to pray, just wondering, God, what? We asked the entire church to take a meal a week and fast and pray, and, and everybody did. And, and God sent two people to us just out of the blue saying, hey, would you want to sell this? And we took that as God's leadership to sell, and, and we got it sold. And then we had no place to go, right? The church on the street, that was going to be us. And then God led us out here to Litchfield Park. And then we moved in in 2004. And we told you the story. We had just enough money in the bank that if we didn't grow, we could make it to September 15th. <laughs> and then we were dead. And God saw us do that. And God saw us through 2007 when this building came available and we got it kind of at a fire sale price. And if you remember 2007, man, the, it kind of like right now, real estate was going up and all of this. We're getting a great deal on this. We're going to sell that. Then 2008 happened, right? And we got stuck with two churches and two mortgages for seven years. God saw us through all of that. In 2016, we planted a church for the first time and God walked us through that. I mean, it's, it's been a faith journey. And God continues to do this. A and God's path for us is that he wants to grow. He wants to stretch our faith muscle. And that's what he takes us through. That's his plan. And God is always working in our lives in this journey to grow our faith. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what God does in his faith journey is bring us to these moments. I call them moments of commitment, right? So Peter, the disciples, Jesus sends them out. Remember, he sends them into the storm. Not sure how stormy it was when they went, but Jesus knew what they were going into. They're in the middle of the boat. They're in the middle of the, of the ocean. It's windy. It's wavy. And here comes Jesus walking by. And, and to be honest with you, there's moments when you're standing in the boat, you know, and we believe, right? You know, it's easy to trust. Hey, hey Jesus! you want me to come to you, tell me to come, right? <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Jesus said, all right, come. <laughs> you ever wonder what Peter thought in that moment? 
I mean, he was kind of known for putting his foot in his mouth, right? The, these faith moments. And what I want to suggest to you is that there are those times in our life periodically when God calls us to step out of our boat. And what our boat is, is that perceived peace of safety, security that we have. Now, I would remind you, they're in the midst of a storm, too. And you might ask the question, is it safer to be actually out on the water with Jesus or in the boat without him? I think maybe out on the water. But it's that perceived peace that in our life, we think this is where we're safe. We think this is where the, the safety resides. And Jesus says, it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to trust me. And the call of Jesus is what, to move ahead into something that we don't know. Something that's new. Something that appears on this side to be a bit risky. We've never experienced it before. And that's tough. I was thinking in my own heart, uh, for me to be as transparent as I can be, 26 years ago, that was Desert Springs for me. I mean, you, you just have to understand my, my background, right? I, my dad, who was in ministry, was a gifted evangelist, and God just blessed him in that every ministry job he had while I was alive just grew. It just did. I Again, it was, it was a gifting thing. Uh, he, he directed Youth for Christ in Detroit when that's where I was born. And it grew to be one of the largest in the world in the six years he was there. And then God moved him into a little church of 300. Well, again, you can hear my thought process. Little church of 300. This is actually not a little church. In central Illinois, little town, grew to over 1,000. When I was in junior high, he took a church of about 300, which we didn't know at the time. I was about ready to split in northern Ohio. Pastored there 17 years. It grew to be about 2,400. That's where I grew up. That's what I kind of considered home. That's where I was a youth pastor. I mean, I had 200 kids in my youth department. It's 21 years of age. That, that's... My mindset, that's what I come from. We were at Palmcroft. Again, when we went, uh, it was 500. I thought that was small. And the funny thing is, remember, you're in your boat, you're in your safety. I mean, I always get my check when it's supposed to be there. It's all good. I used to preach, you know, I've told God if he would call me to a church of 50, not thinking he really would because I'm in the safety of the boat. And then all of a sudden, Desert Springs shows up. And I got to be real honest with you. I didn't want to do it. And uh, Andy and I were reminiscing this morning. He remembers the meeting. He and Phil, who were the leaders uh, that were left at, at, De uh, at Desert Springs, came and met with my dad and I. And I'm really, really, really trying to get them to say, this won't work, because then I'm off the hook, right? And there are two things that are very important to most churches. Number one is their philosophy of ministry. It's how, what we believe God's called us to do. And the second thing is the Constitution, Unfortunately, in some churches, the Constitution is almost as inspired in the Bi as the Bible in their eyes. And I'm trying to get them to say no. So I'm sitting across the table, and I said, well, I see two big problems. 
I said, number one, our philosophies of ministry are different. This is your, and I kind of outlined them, and I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not how I've been trained. What, this is what we do. You know, we're reaching outside and whatever. And I will never forget, Andy sits there and goes, well, listen, it's very clear that our philosophy of ministry isn't working. Yours is, so if it's a good philosophy, it'll work here. And I went, But I had my ace up my sleeve, right? I said, well, you know, another thing Andy kept telling me is we can't get over 125 and stay there. And I said, well, I've read your constitution. I I know why you can't, because it was a very board-governed thing. Now, to be honest with you, I found out later why. The, the original pastor just wasn't into administration at all. So the board had come in and to do that, which was a great thing. The hard part was that they had just codified it into a constitution. So it's, I'm, I always laugh. I say, you almost can't go to the bathroom in this church without getting a motion from the board, right? And, and, uh, and so I throw that out because I'm thinking, this, this will close the door. And Andy sat back in his chair and smiled and said, well, write your own. And Jesus says, it's time to get out of the boat. And folk, what you got to understand is in those moments of commitment, they're intense. They're hard. Can you imagine what it was like for Peter? Not even so much throwing the first leg over the side of the boat but the second one i mean he's lived around this the sea of galilee he's made his living on it he's probably lost friends this is that moment and it's intense and it's not easy and what what i have seen in my life, is I believe that God periodically in a life of believers, and I certainly see this in a life of churches, brings them to these moments of commitment. And are we going to walk forward? Are we going to walk into something new? Are we going to let, as we have prayed, we, you know, it looks like God's leading us here, or are we going to stay back in the boat? And sadly for so many, it's too easy to stay back in the boat. And sometimes, you know, God will give you another chance. But sometimes that decision, man, has incredible consequences. I mean, I was trying not to, I don't want to overplay this because obviously we're in the middle, middle of, we're going to try to, you know, we're, get you out, everybody out of the boat towards this. I don't want to put too much pressure. And, you know, and so God does sometimes get second chances, but the truth is sometimes he doesn't. And I was, I was reading in, if you're reading through the Bible, where are we at? No, uh, we're, we're in Numbers, right? This past week, God takes the children of Israel to the land of Israel. He, they send in 12 spies. They come back. This is their moment of commitment. They choose to not go. And God said, okay, then none of you are going in. For 40 years, we're going to wander around to every last one of you has died, and I'll take your kids in. Big moments. I've seen churches. I've been there. I've, I, I, I've, I've 
been in those discussions of saying, listen, here's life, here's something new. Yeah, it's going to shake up the way you've done things. But, but this is what will bring life. And they, and they choose no. So the question is, when God comes to us personally, when God comes to us as a church, will we answer Jesus' call to get out of the boat? Or do we hang on to this perceived sense of security? We kind of like it. There's safety here, you know. Everything's good. What are we going to do? Now, there are two keys when it comes to this idea of commitment faith, when Jesus calls to get us out of the boat. The first thing is you got to answer, and you have to answer yes, right? Don't we all have to answer yes? I mean, ultimately, if Jesus is Lord, don't we have to answer yes? Don't we have to say, hey, Lord, wherever you call, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I mean, isn't that the heart of what Jesus said about his disciples? If you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That kind of means say yes, right? Hard as it may seem, it means say yes. It also means, as Paul put it, Romans 12, that we're willing to put ourselves up even as a living sacrifice if that's what it would take gotta say yes Peter gets out of the boat he starts to walk the second thing that he very vividly portrayed for us is this is that once you say yes you gotta keep your eyes on Jesus you gotta keep your eyes on Jesus and I tell you the world our culture pulls at us, you know, especially in moments like this. I, I, I've seen churches move forward in exciting things, and, and yet then they, in the hustle and bustle, they get their eyes on their things, and it, the enemy gets in and begins to cause division and, and discord and, because they've gotten their eyes off of Christ. And, and folk, we got to keep our eyes on him. You know, to be really frank, I was thinking about this, and I, I just think across our country, I can't help but wonder if this idea of keeping our eyes on Christ is one of the problems that many Christians have dealt with in this whole election cycle. We've gotten our eyes on stuff that's going on and stuff that, quite honestly, we can't control. Jesus is still king, right? Keep our eyes on him. Focus on him. And this world, you know, G Peter gets his eyes, says on the wind. I kind of think that maybe the waves played a little part in this too, right? He starts looking around. He drops his eyes. Of course, the beautiful thing is, is immediately when he cries for help, Jesus is there. And you can almost imagine as he's flailing and Jesus grabbed his hand, that's what lifts his eyes back to, back to Jesus. So let's talk about this impact project pledge piece that we've been building towards today. So the pledge drive, we, we've been talking about it. We gave you the cards last week. They're on the seats again this week. They're really designed for two things. Number one, is, is our hope and our prayer has been that everybody, this would cause everybody to seek the Lord. 
You know, if you'll remember, we started even doing kind of a soft rollout this last fall. We asked everybody to take a meal a week and to pray for three things. One of them was about this. We've been asking you to pray for the last month about, hey, what would God call us to do? This last week, we really emphasized because we want this to be a thing that causes all of us. We don't want this to be on emotion. We don't want this to be on, you know, driven by, you know, maybe past experiences. We all want to listen and follow the Lord. If God's leading us into it, then, then he's going to make the way, Right? And secondly, it then gives our elders the wisdom to know what to do. We don't want to run out ahead of the Lord, you know. We don't want to, to go after more than what God is telling us to do now. We also don't want to lag behind and say, hey, we'll just do phase one and God's really wanting to do it all, right? And so that's what it's designed to do. So if you pick up the card, and by the way, these are also online. You should have gotten an email yesterday from Pastor Sean had a couple of links of where uh, you can actually do this digitally. If you didn't get it and you're in our system, you've gotten anything from us, you actually did get it. So look in your junk mail folder, right? But honestly, the most important line on this is this line with the, uh, with the number symbol. And this, the idea is, is this is what we are believing God that we will give over the next three years. This is a three-year campaign. This isn't about what I'll give weekly or what I'll give monthly or even what I'll give a year. But this is the total, the cumulative over three years, what we believe God's calling us to do. Now, below that, um, there is, a you know, if you know how you're going to do it, uh, you want to give it weekly, kind of in addition. Again, this has to be over and above regular giving because we, you know, the ministry still go on, the missionaries still go on, the church planning still goes on. Uh, but if you know how you want to give it, whether it's weekly or monthly or whatever, you can check that. If you, you know, to be honest with you, Tammy and I, we still don't know. In fact, we're probably going to do it a couple different ways. Um, and so. You know, that's just it's a little helpful, but that's not as important as what is that three-year, this is what we believe God has called us to do and what we're planning to do. It's, it's a three-year amount. If you go online, um, and I, I would encourage you to do this, you can, you know, so if you don't want to do this physically, you can do it online, uh, but it's really simple. You just go to the, the uh, in fact, if you go to our, uh, web page, this thing will bump up right there if you do it on your phone. This is the part that will come up and we'll ask that question and you can set it up there and that will even keep track of what you've given towards it and all of that. The other thing is I encourage you whether you do this and put this in the box or you do it online is take this home. Take one home. Put it on your, your refrigerator as a reminder to be praying about this is what God's called us to do. This is where we, you know getting the kids involved. This is the, the whole part of you know, saying, okay, Lord, we're trying to make this a discipleship tool within us, within our family. This is what we're believing you for. I know for Tammy and I, we've been talking about this for over a year. And for us, it was we had some things that we were planning to do. 
And there were some of those that we said, no, you know what? Those are things that we can redirect. Those are things that we can put off. Or those are things that aren't as important as doing this. And we started figuring out over three years. And then trying to say, okay, God, how, you know, what would you call us to do? And we went ahead and we made our pledge earlier this week. Now, moving forward, just to be clear so that there aren't any questions, um, Next weekend is baptism, and it's a great weekend. If you haven't followed the Lord in baptism, make sure you get signed up. We'd love to have you apart, but it's a great celebration morning. We also know there are people that aren't here this week. We're into the schools, you know, and, and some of the uh, uh, spring breaks and those kind of, of course, I don't know where they go, but anyway, um, but we know there are some people that aren't here that are traveling. So next weekend we'll be talking about this, also doing that. We will come back two weekends from today. So March 20th and 21st, we will have the celebration. Two last things. Number one, I just want to remind you, I do not know, and I won't know about this, what anybody in our church gives. It's just, that's been my personal thing. I don't think it's wrong for a pastor to know. I've just chose because I know my personality. Some people say, well, you know, you treat them differently. Well, if you know me, I'm a little OCD. Uh, my concern is I'll treat the people that don't give better, uh, not better, that's the wrong word. It, it, it'll just play with my mind. You can see already. I have a hard time explaining it. So I just don't know. Um, so, this, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, Pastor Sean will be, will be looking and, and dealing with that. The other thing is, is that we did see that if there are really large gifts uh, and you go to the website, there is a cap there. And if God has laid upon your heart to do more than that, if you'll talk to Sean, uh, he, he'll get that all straightened out and, and all of that. Or talk to one of our elders, they'll, they'll get that, that done. But, folks, this is... Um, this is the thing. We ask that, you know, we trust that you've prayed. We want you to give. There are two boxes in the back. There are boxes up here. If you want to uh, put those in or if you just want to do it online, either way, two weeks from today, we'll come back. We'll celebrate. We'll let you know what, what's happened and, uh, and how we're moving forward.